listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm glad you can join us again for this episode of Let the Bible Speak. It is my joy week by week to bring you uh, the content of Scripture to help you understand the world, help you understand your own life in the world, and I trust enable us to follow Christ more fully. It is this theme of following Christ that is the focus of our study today as we continue to study Paul's first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and the verse number 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul is highlighting the important subject of spiritual piety and godliness. And that godliness is not found in this world and its goods, but is found in following after likeness to Christ Jesus. Let's read some more verses from this chapter, reading from the verse number 7 down to the end of verse number 12. Where Paul says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Amen. May God bless his word to all of our hearts today. And let's bow in prayer, asking for God's help as we study his word today. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you again for the word of God that instructs us and informs our minds. Help us to understand it carefully. Give us uh, the discernment to, again, know the mind of Christ as we see it revealed in the word. And so we look to thee for help. Bless all who are listening today. May the word of God indeed be an encouragement to their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me remind you that this first letter to Timothy is Paul bringing a very personal call to a man who carries a heavy responsibility. Paul has reminded Timothy in verse number 11 of this chapter that he is a man of God. It is the Old Testament term for one appointed by God who is to bring the word of God and the guidance of God to the people of God. It is a tremendous burden and a responsibility at the same time as being a tremendous privilege. Indeed, it is that privilege that even undergirds the responsibility God having so privileged Timothy, Timothy must understand that he is to walk by example. He is to live as a man of God and his example is important. In chapter 4 
And verse number 12, Paul had instructed Timothy that he should let no man despise his youth, but he had to be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And with that sense of Timothy being an example, we understand then that as Paul would instruct Timothy, so what he instructs Timothy applies to yourselves also. If Timothy is to live in a certain way as an example, then if we are to follow Timothy, we are to indeed heed the words of Paul that he first spoke to Timothy. And so in these verses we have understood that there are four command words, four imperatives in two groups of two. There are the commands to flee and follow. And then in verse number 12, there are the commands to fight and to lay hold on. And so as we have considered these commands, we began last time by looking at this word to flee. Very simply, it means to run quickly away from danger. Paul is warning Timothy of the danger of the love of money. He's warning Timothy that if he is consumed with the love of money, then he is in danger as all who love money are in danger of destruction and perdition. We must have a proper understanding of the doctrine of eternal security. We need to rightly understand what it means when the Bible teaches that once a believer is saved, they are always saved. The Bible does not teach that every profession of faith is always saving faith. There were those who believe in Jesus and the Gospels, and yet he does not commit himself to them in John chapter 2, for he knows what's in their hearts. There is a form of faith and a form of profession which does not indicate the possession of grace. Saving faith is always a sanctifying faith, so true Converts endure in persisting godliness. Such are kept and glorified. But the Bible does warn all professing Christians of the danger of appearing to be real but falling away. So the warnings to Timothy are genuine. Paul tells Timothy, flee from sin because sin ruins the soul. I can say that to all of you listening today. If you are not fleeing from sin then you're loving sin. And if you're loving sin, you're not loving Christ. And if you don't love Christ, then you have not known the rebirth. So those who love Christ are those who flee continually from sin. But the fleeing from sin is accompanied by a following after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. These are the graces, the attributes that Paul highlights in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and the verse number 11. As you run from the danger of sin, so Paul tells Timothy to pursue and chase these virtues. This word follow means just that. It means to pursue after. Paul uses it also in his first letter to the Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 15, where he says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. That was Paul's own testimony. He understood that he had not yet attained perfection. Though Timothy had matured greatly in the things of God, he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not as though I had already attained. 
But then using our word follow, he says, but I follow after. I pursue after. And the verb to follow is synonymous with the phrase that he uses then in chapter 3, verse 14 of Philippians, where he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's using athletic imagery, the image of the runner running towards the gold medal in the Olympic Games, striving for the prize. And so Timothy is being instructed by Paul. Paul, who in his own example is following after these things, striving, pursuing these things. Paul is reminding Timothy that if he is to run from sin, he must run towards godliness. In the second letter, he'll tell Timothy, flee also youthful lusts, but follow or pursue righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, it is the experience of every truly converted soul. Those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, they are those who are fleeing the cravings of the sinful heart and are falling after those things which are according to godliness. Oh, again, I remind you that to flee and to follow, these things must come together. Satan is quite content if we would run from one sin to another. And so we must even be careful that we do not exchange sin for some legalistic mindset of the Christian life. I know of some who have left off worldly living and yet they leave off worldly living and pursue the damning sin of seeking to be right with God by good living. No, we need to think biblically about the nature of sanctification. That is the word that I want you to think about today. We must think biblically about the matter of holiness. Because these words, to flee and to follow, are the verbs of sanctification. They are the verbs of the child of God who is pursuing holiness in the fear of God. And so if we are thinking biblically about sanctification, note first of all our activity in sanctification, our activity. The two words that are used here to flee and to follow are, of course, very active verbs. This reminds us that in the matter of our holiness, we are responsible If you have a Bible with you and you can safely turn to the Word of God, then I would encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Paul in Philippians 2 tells the believers, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we see in the verse number 13 that God works effectually in us. He moves our wills. He works in us both to will and to do. As he moves in our wills and gives us a desire for godliness, so then he leads us in our doing. He works in us so that we desire godliness and he works in us so that we are able to be godly in the sight of God. It is all of God. It is all of grace. And yet in the previous verse, Paul has told these believers that they are to work out their own salvation. For it is God which worketh in you. God's working in us does not mean that we do not work. And the fact that we work out our salvation does not mean that God is not working in us. 
we work out our salvation because God is working in us. And yet as God works in us, so then we, in real terms, work out our salvation. The working out of our salvation is something that every child of God must understand and embrace. The word work out is a complex word in the original and it carries different thoughts in its usage. As it's used here by Paul in Philippians chapter 2, it certainly implies possession. The word speaks of work arising out of possession. It is our salvation that we possess. This is so foundational in understanding biblical sanctification. Sanctification is not moral reform. Rather, it is the continuation of a work begun by God in the soul. Sanctification it really begins at conversion. So much so that, as Paul describes believers, he can describe them as being already sanctified. He writes to the Corinthians, a church that was marked by such significant problems, and yet he says unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. In the sixth chapter, he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. There is a definitive act of separating the sinner from their love of the world. This term to sanctify, it does in its original sense mean to set apart. And so at the time we come to Christ, God has set us apart unto his glory, set apart for his service. We've been separated from the world, separated from those hell-bound sinners, and we've been put into the family of God called to be saints. That is that definitive work. Being saved, if I can use that term, being saved changes our lives. The minute we uh, the minute we come to know saving grace, life is different and will never be the same again. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 puts it in these terms, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sinclair Ferguson says this, Salvation does not take place over our heads, but in our thinking, willing, feeling and doing. Saving grace changes our hearts radically. Salvation, it is something we possess. And having possessed it, we come to work it out in our living. Sanctification requires conversion. There can be no growing in holiness without there being that initial work of God's grace in our soul. Sanctification requires conversion and will always follow after conversion. Robert Murray McShane, the godly pastor from Dundee in Scotland, marked upon his sanctification by commenting that he was not what he was. He was not what he should be, but he praised God that he was not what he will be. And that's the understanding of sanctification. By grace, we're not what we once were. Nor are we what we should be. And nor are we what we will be. But little by little, day by day, we become more like Christ Jesus. And we work out what God has wrought in us. That is what it is to be sanctified. And so this word to work out that implies possession also implies exertion on our part. 
part of the word is derived from the word for labor. And the word labor that's used regarding the workers in the vineyard in Matthew 21, verse 28. They work today in my vineyard, striving, exerting themselves in the hard labor of the vineyard. This labor is to put on the new man. Those who have been saved, Paul tells them in Ephesians chapter 4, that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Christ-likeness. He is industrious in the work of redemption. As he he walked on this world, he worked diligently. He describes his conduct. My father worketh here too, and I work, John 5, 17. Let me simply ask you, are you doing anything to promote holiness in your life? Are you seeking to put sin to death? Are you seeking to understand the word of God regarding what God expects of his children? What are you doing to work out your salvation today? For if you're not working out your salvation, it is very likely that God has not worked salvation in your soul. For all those that God works in, then in turn work out their salvation unto the glory of God. And so these two words that Paul uses, to flee and to follow, They speak about our activity in sanctification. But Paul goes on to talk about our aim in sanctification. We're not running aimlessly. We're running from sin to godliness. And so Paul lists these various attributes of the Christian man. He is to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We are to leave off sin and to pursue these things. You see, the minute we leave off fleeing from sin, then we will leave off following righteousness. And the minute we leave off following righteousness, so we will leave off from following sin. These things must come together. And so let's just very quickly outline these six attributes that Paul lists. We are to follow after righteousness. Righteousness speaks about our conduct before others. To be righteous is to be right. And God himself determines what is right. It is God's right as revealed in God's law. The purpose of Christ coming into the world, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, was that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You can study this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, that those who are saved by God's grace, those whose sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ, are no longer under condemnation. But instead, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in them. And that is fulfilled as they walk after the Spirit. In other words, those who are justified, those who are forgiven, are then sanctified, and that sanctification is characterized by righteousness. And that righteousness is keeping the law of God as revealed in the Ten Commandments. There is an aversion to the Ten Commandments in many Christian circles today. Oh yes, people understand there there must not be murder, there must not be adultery in the Christian life. But the Ten Commandments are 
are so broad. They speak about our keeping of Sabbath. They, they speak about our not coveting this world's goods. They speak about us being people of integrity and honesty. There's great challenges as we think about the righteousness of the Ten Commandments. But we are to pursue after this righteousness. We are to pursue after godliness. We saw this before in our studies of chapter 4 of this little epistle. There we noted that Paul told Timothy to exercise himself unto godliness. Godliness is profitable unto all things. The word speaks of piety. It's an old an old term nowadays. We don't speak about people being pious. And if we do, it is generally as a condescending term of abuse. Piety is a good thing. It is a life of devotion to God. It is living day by day with the thought of God in our minds and desiring to please God, to commune with God. We are to pursue after this. We are also to pursue faith. Now, faith can speak about reliance on God, trusting God and his promises. But here, more than likely, it speaks about the matter of reliability. Faith can speak of those who are faithful. Uh, the steward, the servant of the Lord, is to be faithful. And so we, as God's people, are to pursue after reliability that we should be those who can be depended on. We are also to pursue love. Love for God, of course. That's fundamental to the, uh, the very matter of righteousness. That Those who are walking in the ways of God or those who love God. The first great commandment, of course, is to love the Lord or God. But those who love God will also then love one another. First John 4, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We cannot say that we have come to know God if we are not loving those whom God loves. Paul prays for the church in Thessalonica that the Lord would make them to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Oh, the Christian, saved by God's grace, pursues love not only for the people of God, but for all mankind. A love that seeks their best, a love that desires their prosperity in terms of knowing God and trusting in God. There is, there is again an absence of grace in the heart of someone who does not love the souls of fellow men. And so it is, they are to pursue after love. We are also to pursue after patience. This speaks of endurance. Famously, the word is used in Hebrews chapter 12, whereby we are told to run with patience the race that is set before us. We are to seek after endurance, that we are careful not to give up, but rather we are to keep on going, though the way be difficult. Perhaps, if I can just pause for a moment or two now, perhaps there's someone listening to this program and oh, they just find their Christian life incredibly difficult in the past year. There have been so many challenges to your lives, so many challenges to your faith. Well, let me tell you, by God's grace, pursue after endurance. Do not give up. Keep on pressing on by God's grace. Keep on pressing for the prize of the high calling of God. We are to pursue after patience. We are also to pursue meekness. This word speaks of gentleness. In meekness, 
Paul tells the servant of God, instructing those that oppose themselves. Christ is marked by meekness, by the gentleness of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. The servant of God, the elder, is to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. A gentle spirit is the mark of Christ's likeness in this world. Oh yes, we understand that Christ stood firm for truth and principle. He chased out the hypocritical uh, apostates from the temple and all of their money. But at the same point, he was so gentle and tender and loving to sinners. Oh may God give us the grace of meekness, this gentleness of spirit, that people would understand that we love them, we care for their souls. You see, you... You, you can't chase after these things and stay in your sin. And you will not stay in your sin if you chase these things. When was the last time that you gave concrete thought to what you're seeking to be like? What is your aim in your Christian life? Are you aiming after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness? Are you aiming to be like Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus came into this world and he lived and he died shedding his blood so that sinners could be saved. His name was called Jesus, that he would save sinners from their sins. And so his blood cleanses us from every sin. And his blood and his death also procures the power whereby we can flee from sin and follow after likeness to Christ Jesus. God works this in us and we are to pursue them with all of our hearts. It is not that God works in us and we do nothing. It is God works in us so that we give our all to be like Christ Jesus. Are you more righteous, more loving, more patient than you were a year ago? Well, I exhort you, do all you can to be like Christ. And may God, by his grace, make you like Christ today for the glory and honor of his name. May God bless his word to all of our hearts and may Christ be glorified in the congregation of the saints. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.